Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy weekend to you. So we have good news in that our federal government will not be shutting down due to uh, any funding issues for the foreseeable future. And by foreseeable future, I mean about three months. So we, we, we get Thanksgiving, we get all the uh, religious holidays out of the way throughout the month of December without sweating whether or not government's going to shut down and our TSA agents are going to be more surly than usual because, well, they're getting paid. And so they'll just be as, as surly as usual. Uh, let's see, we have uh, Chuck Schumer giving us the good news. I have good news for the American people. This Friday night, there will be no government shutdown. Because of bipartisan cooperation, we are keeping the government open without any poison pills or harmful cuts to vital programs. A great outcome for the American people. Can we have order, please? (laughs) Chuck Schumer doing his, don't make me turn this car around. I'll stop right now. To the kids behind him. Uh, let's see. The president did sign the measure uh, while in California and said so on social media last night. Last night, I signed a bill preventing a government shutdown. It's an important step, but we have more to do. I urge Congress to address our national security and domestic needs and House Republicans to stop wasting time on extreme bills and honor our bipartisan budget agreement. In other Joe Biden news, I saw this. Uh, I don't didn't realize I was. Do I follow her? No, I don't. You know, Twitter, X, whatever we call it now, they've, they've got that thing where uh, one of the tabs is, how, how do they label it? It's like for you, only it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah, the for you thing. It's like people who are going to piss you off if you actually see them in your timeline. So they put them in your for you timeline. Megan Kelly, of all people. I'm not following Megan Kelly. Anyway, I uh, somehow, I think one of my cats had the zoomies again last night uh, around like 4.45 or so. And I checked Twitter because I had breaking news that uh, from Megyn Kelly, shocked, shocked she was, that the special counsel investigating Joe Biden's handling of classified material is not expected to bring charges, according to CNN Politics. And she's absolutely right. So, yes, according to CNN, where do I have the article? So many tabs open, it's not even funny. Uh, Special counsel Robert Hur is not expected to bring charge to anyone in connection with the mishandling of classified documents at two locations connected to President Joe Biden. That's according to two sources close to the investigation, having told CNN. Uh, The article continues, her and his team are compiling a detailed report on their year-long probe that is expected to be critical of Biden and his staff for the way they handled sensitive materials. The report is expected to go into significant detail about what the special counsel's office found in its investigation. Investigators on HERS team have told other Justice Department officials that they hope to have the report completed by the end of the year, but the timeline uh, timeline could slide. Uh, Ian Sams, a spokesperson for the White House Counsel's Office, declined to comment. HER was appointed in January to investigate after classified documents from Biden's time as vice president were found at his former office at the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, D.C., and at his Wilmington, Delaware home. A spokesperson for HER declined to comment. The Wall Street Journal first reported, according to CNN, her isn't likely to bring a criminal case. CNN previously reported charges appeared unlikely, according to sources familiar with investigators' line of questioning, and that there has been no discernible grand jury activity. MAGA nuts, of course, are absolutely outraged. And I missed the memo, again, because I don't follow Megyn Kelly on social media, but Megyn Kelly has gone 
full-on Kool-Aid-swilling MAGA. In fact, now she's she's tweeting at President Trump, and I'll get I'll get to that little news nugget in just a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, because she shared some news that TMZ T, TMZ is where we're, well, why not? TMZs we're getting our politics news uh, nuggets from now. Um, anyway. Yeah, the MAGA nuts are mad because, well, you know, Trump's not getting the same treatment that Joe Biden is getting with regards to his handling of classified documents. But, okay, you know who else isn't getting the same treatment that Donald Trump's getting, but is getting the same treatment that Joe Biden is getting? Former Vice President Mike Pence. You see, Joe and his staff found classified documents, and they alerted the Department of Justice. Yes, why he's not getting charged. Mike Pence also found classified documents. And he and his family, they alerted the FBI. And that's why he didn't get charged either. Let's remember, Donald Trump not only uh, stole classified documents, he then hid them, lied about them, uh, moved them around, went, went through them, uh, stashed them uh, you know, in the crapper at his uh, Florida golf course, Mar-a-Lago. Um, had them strewn about the floor, uh, scrawled little notes on them, to-do lists even, and then kind of like bragged to his friends in the dining hall at the golf course that he's got these things. You should see these things. Look at these things. I don't look at them too hard, but look. Like literally showing them, waving around in the faces of just random people at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, and at Bedminster too. Yeah, we, we, had, we had folks talking about that happening at Bedminster too. And then he had like, what was it, a butler, a pool boy, somebody like that? Somebody on his security team to get rid of the video evidence. Yeah, see, that's why Donald Trump is in a world of a different mess than just getting the finger wag that former Vice President Mike Pence, former Vice President and current President of the United States, Joe Biden, are getting. But not only are the Maganuts apoplectic, so is that guy, TFG. Wow, fake news CNN through a leak from the Department of Injustice... <laughs> has just reported that no charges will be filed in the much bigger than mine crooked Joe Biden documents case. We are living in a very corrupt country. And lastly, just so we can kind of get Trump out of the way today, let's move on to some other stuff. I'm tired of talking about this guy. Uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Samar Hollerman, reporting that the Fulton Prosecutor's Office is looking at an August 2024 trial date for that guy. Prosecutors are asking Fulton County Judge to schedule Donald Trump's election interference trial for August 5th, 2024, three months before the general election. Whew, that's cutting it close. Uh, Tamar Hollerman reporting in a court filing on Friday afternoon, District Attorney Fonnie Willis said the proposed trial date, quote, balances potential delays from defendant Trump's other criminal trials in sister sovereigns and the other defendant's constitutional speedy trial rights. Tamar goes on to say, if Fulton Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee agrees, that means Willis' sprawling racketeering case against Trump and 14 others would go to trial three weeks after the Republican Party selects its nominee for president at its convention in Milwaukee. It would also take place nearly a year after Willis first indicted Trump and his allies. Trump's top Atlanta attorney, Steve Sadow, said his client opposes the proposed trial date. Well, I mean, is there ever a trial date that he doesn't oppose? Oh, I'm thinking maybe like January 25th, 2025, you know, just in case he can make it go away. Uh, Sadow said he said he will ask to present oral arguments before McAfee in opposition. 
Hollerman writes, Trump is scheduled to appear in a Washington, D.C. court in early March for his federal election subversion trial. His Manhattan case involving alleged hush money payments to the porn star Stormy Daniels is scheduled for trial date in late March. Trump's federal classified documents trial has been scheduled for May 2024 in Florida, but the judge in that case recently indicated the timeline is likely to slip. I don't know what that means by slip. Slip up, slip back. Holloman writes, Willis had initially requested that the Fulton trial for Trump and his co-defendants begin in March 2024, but that timeline changed when two defendants, Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesborough, demanded speedy trials. Both Powell and Chesborough, you'll recall, have since cut plea deals with prosecutors, as have two other co-defendants. And if you'll remember, uh, earlier this week, she was at a Washington Post live event where she said, um, I mean, I think a case will be on appeals for years. Okay. But I think that um, in terms of, uh, I believe in that case there will be a trial. I believe the trial will take many months. And I don't expect that we will conclude until the winter or the very early part of 2025. So there's a possibility that defendants would be on trial up to including an election season, an election day, and maybe even an inauguration day? I don't, when making decisions about cases to bring, um, consider an election cycle or an election season. It does not go in the calculus. What goes in the calculus is, this is the law, these are the facts, and if the facts show you violated the law, then charges are brought. Um, I have heard that kind of what you're hinting at and going around. It would be a really sad... I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know either. Uh, but it would be a really sad country. And when I, if I can get people to think about this logically, um, it, there's probably right now in the country, through all the prosecutor's offices, a million people right now under investigation, from everything from theft by shoplifting to entering an auto to murder. It would be a really sad day if... Uh, when you're under investigation for this shoplifting charge, you could go run for city council and then the investigation would stop. That, that's foolishness. And it's foolishness at any level. That was Washington Post reporter Amy Gardner interviewing Fonnie Willis at the Washington Post Women's Summit earlier this week. Did I give that to you in show notes? I don't think I did, but I will today. I'll make sure I do it today. Sorry about that. Uh, we'll put that in today's show notes at ronshowetl.com if you'd like to watch the entire thing. Um, she is on the dais. Uh, she spoke with Amy for about 27 minutes. Good conversation. Uh, not all of, of, of it about the uh, the Trump, Rico, and the election interference case. Uh, a lot of it, some, some personal questions. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that Amy went there when it came to what it's like to try and be a woman and have it all. Uh, also, what it's like to be a mom a wife, and to deal with crazies and their death threats. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, I think that's worth a, a watch, if you don't mind. We'll put that in today's show notes at ronshowetl.com. And I think I said this earlier this week because I played that uh, some of that clip earlier. I personally don't like, but I, I, I listen, this wasn't a news conference. This wasn't a, 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 a news release or anything like that. But she kind of did pontificate a little bit about the rationality of a just society and someone running for any office, whether it be dog catcher, city councilman, county commissioner, uh, state senator, congressperson, senator, or in this case, president of the United States, while 
under not just an indictment, several indictments. Uh, she's the district attorney. She's not supposed to a- appear to have bias except towards justice. And so I don't know. I, w- I was a little uneasy listening to her openly pontificate on not specifically this case, but kind of sort of did, wouldn't you say? Okay, one segment in the books, we do have an update on the Carter family health, so we will make that a few other things to check off the list as we head into another fall weekend here in the ATL. So we'll get to those stories and more in just a few minutes. Oh, doggone it, and I said I was going to be done talking about Donald Trump, and I forgot to tell you about the whole TMZ story. Ugh, I'm so sorry about that, and I've got like 12 seconds left, so obviously I'm not going to be able to pull that off in this first segment. So uh, let's just throw that away. I mean, let's get into that next. When the Rancho returns in minutes here on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. This is the Weekend Ron Show on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Thank you for listening. And I know you're probably just hanging out because you're like, I want him to get to that TMZ story about Donald Trump. And it's it's nothing juicy. It's not like a, a hot mic moment, <laughs> giving an interview. There's no P-tape that we know of. There is, however, evidence, according to TMZ, that he might show up at the next GOP debate. That's the headline. Donald Trump, evidence he might debate Republican candidates as the Secret Service has shown up at an upcoming venue. TMZ reporting Donald Trump may be thinking about going head-to-head with the other Republicans who are challenging him for the presidential nomination because we've learned the Secret Service has already scoped out the venue. That would be the Moody Music Building Concert Hall. That's scheduled for December 6th uh, at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Ooh, the intrigue, right? Hang on, I got more for you. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have here? The debate will be carried live on News Nation. Where the f*** can I watch News Nation? Is it on YouTube TV? God's sakes. Uh, The network announced last Thursday, boy, that's going to be great for News Nation. How did they get this? Anyway, uh, the network announced last Thursday it will host the debate and sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ that same-day Secret Service agents came to the venue and walked the premises inside and out. The only candidate who has Secret Service protection, in case you're wondering, is Donald Trump, because Mike Pence dropped out, who I think has Secret Service protection, right? Anyway, he's a former president. Of course, he'll be shadowed for life by the Secret Service Agency. TMZ uh, reminds us, and I'm sure you recall, Trump has passed on the previous debates this year, and there has been no obvious evidence he'll change course, given he's light years ahead of the other candidates, TMZ writes, in the polls. But the Secret Service walkthrough suggests he's at least thinking about showing up. And here's where it gets interesting, y'all. Um, one of the three moderators is a lady by the name of Megan Kelly. Y'all remember Megan Kelly? Mr. Trump, one of the things people love about you is you speak your mind and you don't use a politician's filter. <laughs> However, that is not without its downsides, in particular when it comes to women. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie several... O'Donnell. No, it wasn't. 
your Twitter account. Thank you. It was well beyond Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, I'm sure it was. Your Twitter account has several disparaging comments about women's looks. You once told a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice it would be a pretty picture to see her on her knees. Does that sound to you like the temperament wow. of a man we should elect as president? And how will you answer the charge from Hillary Clinton, who is likely to be the Democratic nominee, that you are part of the war on women? I think the big problem this country has is being politically correct. I've been, I've been challenged by so many people, and I don't frankly have time for total political correctness. And to be honest with you, time. this country doesn't have time either. This country is in big trouble. We don't win anymore. We lose to China. We lose to Mexico, both in trade and at the border. We lose to everybody. And frankly, what I say, and oftentimes it's fun, it's kidding, we have a good time. What I say is what I say. And honestly, Megan, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I've been very nice to you, although I could probably maybe not be based on the way you have treated me, but I wouldn't do that. But you know what? We, we need strength. We need energy. We need quickness. And we need brain in this country to turn it around. That I can tell you right now. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we can look forward to if Donald Trump shows up for Megan Donald 2.0. By the way, I, I find it interesting that Megyn Kelly uh, had that question. And let's fast forward. What was that? The 2016 cycle, right? So let's fast forward now seven years. And you can see when you go to Twitter and you look up Megyn Kelly, by the way, Megyn herself likes to make fun of the way people look. Women, in fact. About six hours ago, she shared video of pro-Palestinian protesters inside the Fox News uh, lobby and tweets, who do they think they are intimidating? These are the AV kids from high school who finally found a sad little posse. Yeah, that, that's her making fun of the way people look. There was another one, actually. She tweets a video yesterday, uh, an angry rioter outside the uh, DNC, and she goes, you can take it to the bank. These lunatic wokesters, especially the anti-Semites, are always angry and unattractive, and those two things are not coincidentally linked. Try harder, dear. That's not a Donald Trump tweet. That's a Megyn Kelly tweet, y'all. Incidentally, it's because Megyn Kelly showed up in my Twitter X feed, the For You feed, that is not for me because I don't follow her or anyone like her, and yet she and Benny Johnson and Eric Erickson and the whole crazy cultist batch of social media accounts, they show up in that For You that's not for me. Anyway, it's because Megyn's Twitter account showed up on my radar that I even know that Donald Trump's Secret Service detail, or Secret Service detail we assume is for Donald Trump since he's the only one running for president in the Republican Party and uh, that would have the detail, and we don't think Joe Biden's going to be stopping by there anytime soon. It's because she tweeted uh, a couple hours ago, this would be spectacular, Mr. President. You would be more than welcome, and we would love to have you. Let's give the people what they want. Debate number four. On 12.6, airing on News Nation and co-sponsored by The Megyn Kelly Show and The Free Beacon. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, at least we know Vivek Ramaswamy can't quite possibly have beef with the moderators or the channel airing this. 
pending circus, right? Good on him. I am kind of curious as to why now, all of a sudden, Donald Trump is interested in participating in a GOP debate. And I, I, I mean, the only real dropout of note is that Tim Scott dropped out recently, but he was not a threat to Donald Trump. And I don't really recall him having a whole lot of rancor or venom. I, I, I do happen to think, like, if Donald Trump and Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis are on the same dais, does does Vivek or Nikki Haley, who by the way they can't get along with you, it's almost like you, it devolves into a, a two two different fights. You'll have that little threesome on one side, and then Vivek and, and Nikki on the other. I'm just curious. I'm just curious why now? Aren't you curious? I'm curious as to why now Donald thinks he needs to show up and participate in these debates. Curious. Anyway, we'll follow that story. More on show after this on the American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at RonShowATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. Uh, I know I teased I would give you an update. Uh, the Carter family health, uh, both uh, former President Jimmy Carter and uh, wife Rosalind are, are still with us. Uh, Jimmy entering into home hospice back in February. Uh, Rosalind, we just found out, uh, entered into home hospice just recently. Uh, she had been diagnosed with dementia just, I want to say, a few months ago. So uh, the Carter family released a statement letting everyone know that she, too, has entered home hospice as she and uh, former President Jimmy Carter. It's been there were many uh, hours, days, weeks, months, year, years uh, together, the statement uh, reading on behalf of Jason Carter, grandson of President and Mrs. Carter, former First Lady Rosalind Carter has entered hospice care at home. She and President Carter are spending time with each other and their family. The Carter family continues to ask for privacy and remains grateful for the outpouring of love and support. Wanted to pass that on. Uh, there seems to be some smoke. Could there be a fire here? <clears throat> this headline from the AJC caught my attention, and I Thought I saw something on social media earlier today, but kind of put a pin in it so I'd get back to it. Well, here I am. Georgia House Republicans, this headline, is this right? Georgia House Republicans looking at full Medicaid expansion? Ariel Hart at the AJC with this story for the first time in a decade. High-ranking Georgia GOP legislators on Thursday convened a meeting to hear testimony on full Medicaid expansion to all the state's poor people. I can't believe I'm reading this. At the hearing Thursday, the idea was floated over whether to expand Medicaid in exchange for a political deal to roll back regulations that restrict who can open a new healthcare business. Hmm. Those regulations are called Certificate of Need or CON. Wasn't there something about Burt Jones and his dad? And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and come back to it. Here's more of the article. Medicaid is the government health insurance for low-income people and the center of what may be Georgia's most intense policy debate. Say reproductive choice would be right up there, too. Uh, Georgia is one of 10 U.S. states, all Republican-led, that use Medicaid to insure children but have not expanded it to all poor adults. Georgia instead gives Medicaid to poor adults but only those in certain categories. For example, those who are pregnant or who volunteer for a nonprofit organization at least 80 hours a month. According to this article, that leaves perhaps 300,000 Georgia adults who don't meet the requirements uninsured. 
Uh, more from that story, there have always been scattered Georgia Republicans who favor full Medicaid expansion, but the issue has never gotten close to a majority or high-level approval. It doesn't take a majority of Republicans. It takes a majority of legislators. Come on, guys. Thursday's hearing was remarkable for the high-level Georgia House members who made it happen and invited the speakers. House Speaker John Burns dropped by and sat in on the front row audience next to the speakers. As a reporter stepped up to take his photo, he reached over and shook the hand of one of the speakers, State Senator Missy Irvin of Arkansas, who helped lead Medicaid expansion in that state. This eye-popping AJC article continues. Thursday's discussion took place in the Study Committee on Certificates of Need Modernization. But on Thursday, every speaker on the agenda spoke about Medicaid expansion. An analyst hired by a nonprofit group testified on where Medicaid expansion and Certificate of Need uh, help other states financially and where they don't. A North Carolina lobbyist explained the political deal that the state that that state just struck to expand Medicaid, Medicaid expansion in exchange for diminishing certificate of need rules. And the committee hosted three people involved in Arkansas's long-running Medicaid expansion to explain the successes and problems there. Arkansas's uninsured rate has plummeted, according to the speakers, and of 57 rural hospitals that closed in Arkansas and its surrounding states in recent years, only one of those was in Arkansas. This sounds incredibly good and sensible, according to Representative Lee Hawkins, a Republican from Gainesville, telling, uh, uh, saying to Arkansas officials, Hawkins both sits on the study committee and chairs a House Health Committee focusing on regulatory and market issues. And Speaker John Burns told a reporter afterwards, he was just there to check in. He said, I happen to be here. I'm focused on certificate of need and what this committee brings back on certificate of need. By the way, the article mentions Georgia has the third worst uninsured rate in the nation. All right, that's a story we will be following as we continue on uh, into the uh, legislative. We have, in fact, we have a special legislative session coming up at the end of the month. Not sure that we'll be able to wedge that in, but looking forward to some interesting Georgia General Assembly notes into next winter when that session opens. Kayla Gogarty joins us from Media Matters for America. I don't know how many of you have noticed this, but uh, Twitter or X has gotten it's taken us to a very dark place of recent <laughs> in recent months uh, since uh, Elon Musk has taken over. And actually, now we're starting to see some major advertisers who, surprise, are still on the platform, are now jumping off the platform because they don't like seeing their advertising adjacent to anything anti-Semitic or Islamophobic. Kayla, how are you? Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. No, I appreciate that. You guys are, uh, you know, doing doing the hard work that uh, a lot of media entities uh, and journalists aren't doing. So uh, Matt Gertz wrote a piece that we will feature today's show notes uh, at ronshowetl.com for Media Matters that speaks to Elon Musk lighting his tiki torch, opening the floodgates to bigots because he agrees with them. And I noted earlier today that I saw, uh, for some reason, uh, all of a sudden I'm seeing a lot of Megyn Kelly in my For You section of uh, Twitter or X. And I love that feature. Can't tell you enough how much I like having to see stuff of people that I don't follow. But nonetheless, um, th- yeah, there, there, there seems to be, especially in the, in the advent of the, uh, the Hamas attack on Israel and the subsequent Israeli attack on Gaza, there seems to be a, an even larger ramping up of some real ugliness on this platform, right? Yeah, we've continued to see anti-Semitic content, you know, neo-Nazi content, um, white nationalist content on the platform. Um, and for months we've been, you know, monitoring the platform and, and we've noticed that ads are coming up on these um, 
accounts next to this content, um, et cetera. Well, he even called Media Matters out. I mean, is that a first? Is that the first time he's mentioned Media Matters? I think he mentioned us one other time, but yeah, one of the first. <laughs> Did you guys get a spike in, in clicks for the first time? Because I've got to imagine this is going to be bringing some eyeballs to you guys as well. Uh, yeah, I, my colleagues would know better than me on that, our digital team, but um, I'm sh- it, we have gotten a lot of publicity uh, you know, in the last day or so, so probably... <laughs> So what do you, I mean, obviously we, we know, we know where Elon's political leanings tend to, tend to be uh, migrating towards. And it, it, to me, I see a little bit of a parallel in the, 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 the Trump uh, ascendancy and, and slide from maybe populist middle ground to hardcore right. And it seems like Elon's kind of taken the same tack, but I, I guess my question is who's left on Twitter or X that can even balance it out? Yeah, well, Musk has, since he took over the platform, he reinstated dozens of accounts of previously um, banned accounts. Um, so that would be, you know, white nationalists, um, you know, Holocaust deniers, anti-LGBTQ accounts, COVID misinformers, you name it. Um, you know, he's reinstated them. Uh, and, and that has led to, you know, a lot of problematic content on the platform. And it has driven, you know, users away as well. See, I, I'm one of those holdouts. Like, I stay on it because I, I see just enough journalists and just enough uh, story aggregators and uh, pundits of, of any quality still on there. And honestly, I just don't see enough of them elsewhere, like on Threads or Blue Sky or Mastodon. Is, is there, I guess we're all kind of waiting to see what the one will be. Is there a one yeah. that's sort of, you know, rising above the others? Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think everybody is kind of uh, dispersed across these various different, um, you know, kind of alternatives, like you said, um, uh, threads. Uh, I've noticed more people and more users on threads, but, you know, Facebook rolled that out and they weren't necessarily ready uh, with all the features there. So, uh, you know, there's been some drawbacks, I think, of them all that have kept, you know, people, some people still on Twitter. Well, speaking of threads, as you mentioned, there were some features that they weren't ready to roll out. Is there anything new there that would warrant us maybe giving them a little bit more attention? Like, I'm on threads. I just don't use it. Yeah, I think they, like... they immediately got a lot of users to sign up, you know, within the first few days of them Mm -hmm. rolling it out. But then following that, I, I, their activity, you know, of these accounts seemed to really die down. But, you know, I have heard more recently, um, seen anecdotally that there are, you know, some more journalists and stuff that have said, you know, I'm I'm fully going to threads. Um, But, you know, I, I would hope that Meta would close some of the loopholes um, that they've left open in terms of content moderation and and things like that on the platform. So now in your role as research, research director for Media Matters for America, it's your job to keep an eye on the, the, the sort of spikes in behavior like this uh, from far right uh, figures on, on social media platforms. How do you qu- tell me how you quantify this, uh, this, this, this spike in anti-Semitism and, and white nationalism and uh, Twitter or X, uh, the X platform's disinterest in moderating it. Yeah, we've done um, different. We've done different data studies to show, you know, um, who's pushing COVID misinfo on X, for instance. You know, who's pushing anti-LGBTQ, um, you know, rhetoric on the platform as well. Um, so we do a lot of data studies to kind of quantify, you know, what we're seeing in terms of trends. Um, but we also, me and and you know 
multiple researchers on our team, um, you know, monitor the platforms uh, as well, looking, you know, for violative content and other content on the platform. And because you guys were there uh, noting that, uh, you know, IBM's not advertising on X anymore uh, and uh, Elon calling you an evil organization. I've talked to several of you. I don't think you're evil at all. I think you're just doing a job, you know. Uh, But now also there's a new report that uh, found that, you know, uh, X still gets ad uh, revenue from Amazon and NBC Universal and other major brands. Uh, obviously, there are movements to bring more heat to these advertisers to let them know that, you know, attaching your brands to anti-Semitism kind of not cool. Yeah, there were a lot of brands that initially had paused advertisements um, when Musk took over the platform um, under Linda, you know, a few of them seem to be enticed to her potential leadership, but I think they're starting to realize that, you know, even though she is CEO, uh, Musk continues to undermine her. Um, you know, he continues to undermine her in in multiple instances that we've seen. For instance, when she had met with um, the anti-defamation leader um, about hate speech that same day, he was pushing out tweets you know, anti-ADL tweets. So we've seen multiple times where she is trying to, you know, entice advertisers to come back to the platform. And then he undermines her by, you know, interacting with far-right accounts, posting, you know, incendiary content on the platform. And we have no idea, like, what their earnings numbers really look like, what their what what their books look like to have an idea what sort of impact uh, his antics and X is choosing not to really moderate uh, hate speech and and, and anti semitism, Islamophobia, white nationalism. I mean, are 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 there signs? Are there is there smoke somewhere? Are there tea leaves that we can kind of read into this a little bit more? What sort of impact this is having on their bottom line? Yeah, there's been multiple reports um, over the course of months that they took a huge hit in their revenue. I think there's been reports that they've said they've lost up to 60% of revenue um, since since uh, Musk took over the platform. And that's a pretty that's a pretty large hit. I think they were hoping by bringing Linda Yaccarino on the team that they would entice some people back. Um, but I don't think I don't think that revenue has since recovered. Are you in any way, and by the way, we're with Kayla Gogarty, Research Director, Media Matters for America. Are you uh, in any way of, of some mind that there is any turning back for a Twitter with or without Elon Musk? Is there a, 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 any chance that this platform can recover from such a tumultuous reign? I think that'll be very difficult, um, especially with Musk at the helm. I mean, you know, in addition to reinstating all this div- div- all these problematic accounts, um, you know, rolling back pop moderation policies, allowing this sort of content to proliferate on the platform, his behavior on the platform and is, is also an issue um, for Twitter itself or X in this case now. <laughs> well, and, and we're, we're also hearing, you know, some rumblings over at the Truth Social folks, uh, like they're, they're in some pretty bad fiscal shape themselves. Is, is there a lifespan for Truth Social? Do we have a, do we have a, a born on date or, a, or, or an expiration date to, to see there? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, as long as Trump is actively posting on the platform, I assume that there will be some sort of following that wants to be on there with him. <laughs> but I would add that, um, you know, I, they do, there has been reporting that there have been some financial difficulties with the platform. Kayla Gogarty with Media Matters for America, following the ugly over there. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I mean, I'm right there with you. Are, are you personally still on Twitter yourself? Do you? I have an account mostly for my research, but yeah. um, 
I have not, uh, I don't actively post on the platform anymore myself. Yeah. See, I, I, I kind of feel the need to, and I feel the need to chime in on other folks stuff, especially the misinformation from the right. But uh, until, until I can get, you know, uh, I guess I got to get the blue sky invite and, and, and maybe bite on that. Or, do you have a preference by chance? I mean, I know I'm asking a personal question here, but do you, do you see a preference in the, in the next iteration? Uh, I have not found a home yet uh, myself. I was sort of waiting for what people would decide on more collectively. Um, but I, it seems like Threads is where people are starting to migrate to. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see which one ends up standing out. Uh, and there is there's the yeah there's a lot of manpower behind it. So I guess I could understand that. Listen, I will I'll never forget. I was kind of late to getting onto Facebook. I was still manicuring my MySpace page with. You know the 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 best too. Right. Yes, the, the, it took me a long time to join <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, where are y'all going? I just put this new music on my page. Don't you love it? Yep. Nobody loved it anyway. <laughs> Kaylor Gogarty with Media Matters for America. Thanks for joining us on the Run Show today. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Final segment of the Run Show for the week and the weekend edition of the show. So we head into uh, what should be a, a pretty, oh gosh, an eventful weekend. Like, not just uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and I know the, the travel is already ramping up. Uh, so you know the story. If you've got flights uh, leaving out of Hartsfield, get there at least two hours ahead of time. I know, that sucks. I'll be flying uh, out whew, Wednesday morning, as a matter of fact. Oh, God. The day before Thanksgiving. That's got to be like one of the busiest days of the year, right? Oh, man. And can I just tell you, I'm flying is a beating. I, there's just no there's no way. It used to look like a lot of fun. Remember back in the 70s and 80s, TV shows and movies and, and, and how classy it looked. And people used to dress nicely. And you got a nice meal. And I don't, the, the, the seats didn't seem all that cramped and... Now we're just, ugh, we're like human chattel just crammed into these tubes and uh, people trying to get around their bag fees and uh, yeah. I mean, I say all that to say that what sucks about going on a vacation is the flying. That's where we are now. The flying is the worst part and you got to do it to get to where you're going. Like I'm going to the Dominican Republic. Some friends of mine are getting married, destination weddings. Don't do that. My friends are doing that, and I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm just saying, like, in general, destination weddings are hard for people to get to because of cost. I mean, listen, I've been sweating it. My financials have, you know, been fantastic until like three months ago when the market and the interest rates and all that stuff. So, um, anyway, I'm really, really looking forward to spending uh, five days in the Dominican Republic, uh, hopefully coming back with a tan and not a burn or melanoma or any of that good stuff. But uh, destination weddings are hard. The flying is just the hardest part. It's just, it's a beating. And you you got to fly to get to where you're going. And then you need like a few hours or maybe half the day or a day to just kind of like <sighs> decompress from that trauma. And then you come back and the trauma of flying undoes all the relaxation earned while on vacation. And this is just not the time of year to screw around. Get there early. Don't try to cram your massive suitcase in the overhead bin. It's not going to fit. I feel like that lady in that commercial, uh, Coach Beast from uh, Glee on all the commercials. Yeah, that's not going to fit. That's that's not going to fit. I sit there and I say that all the, all the time. Well, that's not that's not going to fit. And now we're not going to get to And Yeah, you got to check. Okay. okay. 
Okay. And then you got to get seated. And because you were dawdling around trying to do that, now you've got the, you've got the window seat and I'm already see, see, don't do that. Don't do that. Anyway, um, if you're going to be doing some traveling, by all means, travel safely. And, uh, you know, we may not talk much next week because am I doing shows next week? I think I am. Maybe a couple at least. I don't really know yet. But if I don't, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. And don't bring up politics. By the way, did anybody see the uh, Leslie Jones piece on um, The Daily Show a few days ago? Y'all, this is hilarious. Where she offers to show up at your family's Thanksgiving to shut down if somebody starts talking. And by the way, I, I, was, I was kind of impressed. She was very nonpartisan about it. Uh, take a listen to this. Thanksgiving is just around the corner, and that means getting together with family members who you might not see eye to eye with. But this Thanksgiving, Leslie Jones will come to your house and politely interject when the conversation becomes political. I'm just thankful that Roe v. Wade was finally overturned. That's the conversation you want to start right now at this table while everybody's happy during Thanksgiving. While we trying to be happy. You know what? Have some dry-ass turkey. And shut the f*** up. The way I see it is your generation are all a bunch of lazy socialists. Who is you calling lazy? You can't even bring proper pie to Thanksgiving. And stop kissing the kids in the mouth. That's nasty. They don't like that. Plus, Leslie can help prevent annoying conversations before they even begin. Try that mega shit. Try it. And I'll tell everybody in this room that you use Nana's Wi-Fi to jack. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, Leslie goes back to basics. I'll just say, these transgender people. Ah! 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 I just. Ah! Yes. Can I have some stuff? I feel Extra! as if. Leslie will even stop by the kids' table to teach them how to shout down problematic relatives. No, no, okay, look, from the diaphragm, you ready? One, two, three. Ah! Talking to your family is hard. Watching Leslie Jones shut them down is easy. And I think it should be acknowledged that this dinner is taking place on Cherokee land. Shut up! All this land is Cherokee. If we talking about, can you spell indigenous? You can't even smell it, can you? Shut up! Mm. Don't agree with me. Thank you for that. Shut up. Who invited me to this? Yeah. And I'm telling y'all, if I weren't going out of town myself, I'd probably stand in and say, uh, she's going to charge $29.99. I'd do it for $19.99 and the meal. But I'm going to be out of the country this year. Sorry. And listen, as funny as it sounded, it was even more funny to watch. Yes, I'll give you that in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. Let's see, what do I have going on? Uh, I've got houses to show, the Georgia-Tennessee game, which may be like one of the, uh, I think it's the the last of the annual Georgia-Tennessee games for, well, for the foreseeable future because like everything else in college football, things got to get all effed up because of conference realignment. And I like the Georgia-Tennessee game every year. I mean, we're right, we're so close to each other. Literally, we touch. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to miss that. Like, I, lo- I love the annual games against Tennessee, especially because we beat them so much. And hopefully we will again, but, you know, that's why they play the games. 
So anyway, go dog. Georgia Tech can be bowl eligible with a win against Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. And then they'll get their beating next Saturday against Georgia. Uh, by the way, congrats as we predicted. Ronald Acuna Jr. and Shohei Otani, both named most valuable players for the National and American League, respectively. Y'all have a great weekend, a great holiday week if we don't see you next week, and we'll be back here at some point in time. 5 to 6 p.m. weekdays on the America One Radio app, AmericanRadio.com, wherever you podcast. <laughs>